Welcome to an Eyewitness News special. My name is T.D. my dear Associate Editor of Politics. I'm speaking to you from West Africa, specifically from Guinea Conakry. We have followed former President Tabombeki. I think some of you would like us to follow him to the ends of the world. We'll follow him to West Africa, where his annual lecture will be out of South Africa's borders for the first time. It's happening in Conakry, so we'll speak to him a little bit about Africa. And of course, we'll talk about domestic issues too. We could never leave those out. Mr. President, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, thanks, Cindy. I just listened to your media briefing where you spoke about the protocols, the instruments exist to deal with Africa's issues. But it almost felt to me, because you spoke about the lack of implementation, and I always put that down to a lack of political will. Is that what it is, though? Is it that African leaders were just not willing to come to the party to do what is necessary for African people? Is that it? It certainly, certainly has to do with, uh, with leadership. It certainly has to do with that because uh, the policies in terms, I'm talking about continental. Mm, continental. The policies are in place, the policies are there. What is to be done to resolve all of these problems? But I think the, uh, um, it may be that political will that you're talking about. It then blocks people, stops people from acting in terms of uh, what is already a great policy. It's a matter that we need to look at very closely. You also spoke about the role of the culture of the wise, the elders, and being able to give guidance and being able to see warning signs of things going awry and then stepping in. As a South African, I'd make an argument that you attempt to do that in your own country, and very often it feels like you're not listened to. Every time there's a public utterance that you make about issues of governance on the governing party, I always say to myself, surely it's because you're not being listened to, that's why it goes out in the public domain. Am I getting this picture right? Is that what's at play? Well, not quite. I mean, really, the, the point is, you are talking, talking about a person like myself. I'm thinking about the overall thing, that on the continent, if we're to be listening to our elders for wisdom about what is coming, the early warning signs, I'd, I'd make an argument that it's not even working at, back at home, even with you, because you attempt to warn the government of the day that you're going in the, right, in the wrong direction. And like the elders who are seemingly not being listened to on the continent, even you, it seems like you're not being listened to back at home. Am I making sense? Sure, no, you, you are. But you were made, uh, you, uh, was, you, supposed, you stated a supposition. Oh, okay, sorry. That when the reason you say pub, raise matters publicly about a particular point is because you're not being listened to. Well, it sometimes no. feels like it, but okay. Sure, sure. No, I was saying about that, that, you know, many people say this one is our former president of the Republic of all South Africans. What is his view? So I have an obligation to, to respond okay. to what the people are asking. It's not because the government has not acted or anything okay. like that. It's because the population expects that this one. I want to hear you. We want, we want to hear you. Mm. But anyway, it's correct to say this thing that the point you are making. Well, let me put it like this. I think we should all of us understand that anybody who gets elected becomes vested in whatever is happening. To change them becomes difficult. If you behave like this, I've behaved like this and nobody has complained. And now you come in to say, but the behavior is wrong. Then they're going to refuse, refuse to change. They've got vested interest in what has been happening. I mean, like in this specific example at home, the people in government, they instinctively you have a uh, feeling obligation to protect one another. We were one collective. In mm. Tabombeki, it goes wrong. Our instinct, no, let's protect him. So you'd see he comes in from outside and say, that Tabombeki is doing wrong things. 
they will look for ways and means of saying, no, no, you are wrong. We must start from that position. So the fact that you, you've got good ideas, you present them to people in power in any country on the continent, if they feel that it's threatening a vested interest, they will resist. That's normal. So you need a generation of uh, pressure. For instance, one of the matters we're discussing now at, at the foundation is we talk about the African Renaissance. We have these uh, annual lectures, which will talk about that. We have direct interventions with governments, including at home. But what is missing is the voice of the African masses. We used to have an African Renaissance movement with chapters in various African countries. At some point, it collapsed. We need to go back there. So that in addition to a Tawambegi saying, whatever, a foundation saying this, the same thing must be said by the masses of the African people. So that these leaders, we are able to push them out of their vested positions. You need that particular strength. I'm glad there was a solution to what the issue is. Um, let's look at South Africa and the issue of Russia. In fact, the continent of the issue of Russia. I know that you've been involved because you're concerned about the issue of fertilizers. I know farmers who complained about the impact of the issue of fertilizers. Um, how far along have you been able to get around that particular issue in terms of trying to negotiate to make sure that food security is not disrupted on this continent? Fortunately, the, uh, you are quite right. We've been concerned about that fertilizer issue. Fortunately, the, the AU took up the matter. We requested that they must take up the mandate and pass a resolution. We, as the African continent, are saying the following things. So that resolution then needs to be followed up by the AU with the European Union and the member states of the European Union, who are the ones who are blocking this yeah. flow of fertilizer. Yeah. So I, I'm, honestly, I'm not checked with the AU. What have you done since you adopted this correct, correct uh, decision? But that's, that's the key. The key to moving on that is the Africans talking to the European Union and the member states to make sure that they don't block these fertilizers. All right, speaking of Russia, South Africa finds itself in a dilemma. You've got historical ties versus your economic ties with the United States. I've made an argument that what you're seeing, as far as the Americans are concerned, is stick politics, where they're trying to coerce a particular view in a particular manner. I don't know if that's how you're seeing it. What did you make of Ambassador Brigitte's claims and South Africa's response to the claims? Well, I'm, I'm, if, if I was asked a question I'd like to have asked now, I would have said, I'm sure the ambassador is wrong. First of all, the, the law, South African law, prohibits the export of weapons to countries in conflict. It's prohibited. If there's anybody who did that, they need to be arrested, charged, and sentenced. As the first point. Number two, South Africa does not produce weapons of the sophistication that the Russians have. At least the Russians can't come all the way to South Africa to buy a pistol. <laughs> yeah. So we don't have, I mean, we don't have the, the money. Arms industry in South Africa has no capacity to play, to, to produce the kind of weapons, of sophisticated weapons, which the Russians are using. So I would have said, me, I don't believe that story, that there was an export of guns. What is your sense then of what's happening? Well, I, I understand that the, uh, there was a view, I think it's from the Americans, that it would not be enough for South Africa to say there were no weapons. Because that would not have credibility that the government is just protecting, covering its back. 
you need an independent process to verify that. Which is why President Ramaphosa said a commission chaired by a retired judge to fulfill that requirement so that whatever report comes from a judicial commission will be credible. I suppose that's why they can avoid it. The issue of our stance, our non-aligned stance, in essence, has always been who we are. What do you think went wrong, though, with the kind of pressure that South Africa has been seeing? Is there something in the messaging that's changed over the years? Have we become clumsy with stating our position? What is it about South Africa's position now that seems to bother certain countries even more so than in the past? Well, I don't know. You see, the, uh, for the Americans to demand of South Africa that it must abandon its principle and practice of neutrality. It's not going to work. Because you look, look, see, they look at the African, the African continent has many, many conflicts. You will not find any instance where, for instance, the AU, which has got to intervene to stop a war, starts by condemning one country or the one belligerent or the other. Don't. You don't take sides. You want the guns to stop shooting. Please, you people, stop firing. And after that, less than discuss in order to end the war. It's at that stage that you then point fingers. to say, you are wrong and you are right. You can't start there. Because once you start there by saying, this one was wrong and you are right, you, you cease to be an honest broker. You are partisan, you take whatever side. So the continent is not going to do that. It will maintain that neutrality. But it's in the course of the discussions, the negotiations that you say, but you did a wrong thing, don't repeat it. And therefore the agreement will make sure that that, that, that doesn't happen. What do we then need to do? Uh, President Solomon Posa in African celebrations in South Africa spoke about how South Africa is being threatened for its non-aligned position, that there are threats from mightier countries because they're trying to force a position out of South Africa. What does the country, what should the country be doing? No, Another kind of pressure, especially when you think about trade and economy, an economy that's on its knees at the moment. No, I don't, I don't think South Africa should agree to be intimidated by anybody. It, it were wrong. They might intimidate you and say, tomorrow we won't buy your bananas. And you succumb. Tomorrow they are going to say, then we won't buy your cars. You can't open that, that door. No, no, we, we, I don't think South Africa must stand firm and refuse, refuse to be intimidated. To arrest Vladimir Putin or not to arrest Vladimir Putin? To have the BRICS conference or not to have it? What ought to happen with that situation? Because that is something that is still hanging over South Africa's heads. Um, the deputy president is meant to come up with some answers. What is the answer? Well, first of all, South Africa is the chair of BRICS this year. South Africa must continue to play its role as chair of BRICS. There's one particular instance in the context of that chairpersonship of BRICS which is a BRICS summit. So that, that summit must go ahead. The only question, should it meet in South Africa? The summit must go ahead. I don't think it can take place in South Africa because in terms of our legal obligations, we would have to arrest President Putin. But we can't do that. Nope. It's no way we're going to do anything like that. We all know we can't do that. Can't. Can't. Yeah. So you either have the, the summit held elsewhere in one of the BRICS countries, chaired by South Africa, or you make it virtual, whatever can be agreed among the member states. But I do not believe that you could bring a President Putin to South Africa. I don't think it's possible. South Africa was not invited to the G7 summit. Is there something that we should read more into it? Does it say something about our position on the continent? Because often you've been seen as a gateway into the continent. Does it actually matter? No, it, it doesn't really. 
when the African continent started getting invited to those meetings, it was the G8. We worked out our own development program on the continent, NEPAD, and we said to the G8, then they must design their own policies relative to Africa, bearing in mind NEPAD. So what they did was to produce what was called the G8 Africa Action Plan. Now that G8 Africa Action Plan needed coordination with NEPAD. Hence the invitation to us to attend G8 meetings. Mm. It was to have oversight of the implementation of these agreed programs. They are no longer there. So there's no, when we are G7 and we invite South Africa to come, to come to do what? There's no joint program to implement nothing. It's good for the G7 because uh, they can say we are well in touch with the whole world. Mm. But it's got no significance. But I need to ask you a question about in South Africa where you have a cholera outbreak in Gauteng. What does that also say to you about our country? Um, I'm still reeling from shock that we're in a situation where a place like Hamaskar has had water problems since the early 2000s. And now you're hearing of people dying at the level that we've been hearing. What does that say to you about where we are as a country? It says that we have a serious problem of the deterioration in the quality of governance. That deterioration has been with us now for a number of years. This cholera outbreak in Amanstral is an illustration of that. There are many, many other illustrations of that. You can't have people coming to chop down pylons, carrying electricity cables to go and, stand and sell. The story is to go and sell the matter. Doesn't make sense. But I'm saying in the end, all of this re reflects a very, very serious problem of the de deterioration in the quality of governance, yeah, which has got many reasons. But it's something that urgently, urgently needs attention. Do we have the will, the capability of actually attending to the many challenges that we are confronted by as a country? There are many, many South Africans who are very ready to contribute whatever they can to address the challenges. Yeah. We need to generate enough pressure on the people who sit in positions of political responsibility to attend to this matter. It's negative uh, outcomes. It's very, very visible. But it may very well be that whoever is in government requires this pressure from below. When the masses of the people rebel against a system of government that's not working in their interest. I wonder when we'll get to that point where we rebel. I, I, I promise you I'm almost done, Mr. President. In 2021, you had campaigned for the governing party and you said you came back up because they're finally being honest about what's going on. 2024, what, yeah, we're going to 2024. What happens with you now? Do you still go back to the streets and campaign for your political party? Do you still feel it's being honest with South Africans about what's going on? It's a legitimate question. But when I'm able to answer it today, I'm not sure. It's a legitimate question because, indeed, there are many things that are going wrong which are not being attended to. You can't, I can't go to the, the ordinary people of our country and vote for these people who are doing wrong things. You can't say that. So I'm saying my answer is still outstanding, but it's a very legitimate question. After having some confidence, you find yourself having questions. The last question from me, Mr. President, is, you know, you have, you, it's got to be love. The fact that you're at your age and you're still running, running around trying to do work for the continent has to be love. Do you think that 
that finds expression in your home country? Do people understand your vision for the continent? Are you finding that South Africans get what you talk about when you speak about Renaissance, when you speak about what the continents, um, what the goals are for the continent, when you look back at what the Kwame's and the Ali Salaises wanted as far as a united, integrated, and economically thriving Africa? No, city. I think we, we have not done enough to communicate those messages to our people, that ordinary people at home. But instinctively, I think many of them will understand. But we have not done enough to explain to them so that they come more consciously to support what we're trying to do. It, it will be our fault. But I'm sure that instinctively, the, many of the ordinary people at home would say, well, if it's him who's trying to do this thing, benefit of the doubt at least. But we have to do more work ourselves to educate uh, our own people about the critical importance of the success of the continent. Success of South Africa also depends on the success of the rest of the continent. So you can't walk alone and everybody else is sinking. Thank you, Mr. President. That's from our President Abumbeki speaking to us from Conakry about the continent, the country, and what we all need to do to fight for Africa. Thank you.